So we are still in Acts. We're going to be there for a while. Today we're going to look at something that I'm going to call as problems. Problems are something that it, it doesn't seem that there's a shortage of those, are there? And who doesn't have any problems from time to time, if not daily? Daily we probably have problems. And problems that always seem to happen, well, usually at the most problematic times, right? Like, why can't a problem ever happen when it's like, just like, you know, we'd wake up one where I say, you know, this would be a really good day to have a problem. <laughs> they never happen that way, do they? Problems like last winter. So I had this problem last winter. Last winter, it was one of those nights where it was like minus whatever during the day. And then so the sun goes down and it's like minus 20. Generously, I'm saying that, probably minus 30 or so. And so it's 930 at night. I'm already in bed asleep because I fall asleep. So I go to sleep and I go to sleep early. And so I get this text from my daughter. So the problem is, like I said, it's so stinking cold outside. The last thing I want to do is actually get out of bed. Another problem is past my bedtime. I'm already asleep. <laughs> and then there's the problem of this text that's waking me up from my sleep. Another problem is that her emergency, now she is making it become my emergency. So my problem. Now, why couldn't this problem happen in the summertime? Like I said, like this would be a good day for a problem. It's warm outside. It's daylight, wind's not blowing. So, of course, I'm a good dad. I get out of bed, go to her house, try to solve her problem. And her problem doesn't happen to be inside. Her problem is outside, which leads to more problems. And then other problems because there's problems or problem with me because I'm mad and I'm grumpy. And then that leads to other problems because everybody's mad and grumpy at me because I'm mad and grumpy at them. And so they're mad. At, so then... <laughs> My problem of trying to solve it, my thinking of trying to solve this problem doesn't work, so then that creates other problems because I didn't think this out because I'm mad and grumpy because of the problem. And so the problems lead to problems, and then there's just more problems. Now, all I'm going to say about the problem is, is that she has animals. She has horses and a, cow, and a couple of cattle. And so it had to do with water. So you can just imagine, water in minus 20, minus 30 degree weather, and you're outside, it's not fun. It instantly, it just doesn't work. But problems are a problem, aren't they? And how we deal with problems is a problem sometimes. Now the apostles in the early church, they weren't without problems. We'll see today, they had problems. Problems that other had, people had, and they tried to make those problems now become the apostles' problems. But thankfully, I think the apostles, they handled the problem and I think they left us some things to think about, maybe for our problems. Today we're going to be looking at Acts 6, verses 1 through 7. If you want to turn to that right now, or just follow along on the screen. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. 
They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these events to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So here we see the early church. They're having problems. The Greek Jews are having problems with the Hebrew Jews. So these transplants from Greece, these, these people that came from, Jewish people that came from Greece, they're seeing their widows, are, are, they're not getting food. There's this daily distribution of food and they're being left out. So I thought of, you know, what does that look like in Montana maybe? Like maybe, I don't know if there's anybody in this room, but we have some California transplants, right? Coming to Montana. Transplants that probably a little bit feeling kind of the same way of us native people in Montana, not exactly opening them with open arms, blaming them for everything, saying, being angry at them, saying, well, the housing market's unaffordable because of you. Cost of everything is going up because of you. Stories of actually my neighbor who moved in from California. This is how he introduced himself. He goes, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm from California, but that's it. Like he had to make the point, like, that is it. Like I just was born there. That's it. I don't. So obviously there was a problem, right? He, there was a problem of how he was being treated moving to Montana. So what do we see next? We see, first, let's start, look at verses 1 and 2. It says, In these days when the number of disciples was increasing, Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together. Now that's discrimination, right? Isn't that what that is? Couldn't we think that as a discrimination? Probably should have called their attorneys, called the ACLU, called whatever organization they could, get anybody to come in that's sympathetic to that cause, maybe some, bring some light to that situation. And, and probably by doing all of that, sometimes doesn't that cause more division? Create more problems? Create a bigger divide? Which the headlines of today, how divided we are as a nation, how divided we are as a world. Headlines just, these are just headlines that would just to show the, the, the division. Headlines saying that voting was done right along party lines because we're divided. We can't agree on anything. Political races, they say they're even. Why? Because we just vote or we just do things along. We don't, there's division. People are divided. There's threats of wars. There are wars. And why? Because of this division. And this division is, is, is getting violent, isn't it? There's shootings daily. Almost, there's almost a shooting daily in Billings lately. Divisions that come from multiple problems. Way too many to discuss in this room today. That's not where we want. We don't want to talk. I'm not here to talk about hash out all these problems. But we all have problems. I'm sure there's problems within this room right now that are causing division amongst us. Maybe even problems with me. Maybe I've already said some today or I've said things in the past that have caused divisions amongst people. But I want you to hold on to that for a second. I want you to just kind of put that, kind of hold on to, kind of keep that in, in this, these problems or these divisions that you have with people. Hold on to that a little bit. Maybe by the end of this, maybe we'll, we'll come to a point where maybe you can go, I can do something with that problem. Now. I can do something with that division. And maybe able to let it go, find a solution for that. 
So what did the apostles do differently? I think the first thing they did is they acknowledge and they assess the problem. They heard the problem. The apostles acknowledged there was a problem. They heard this from the, from the Greek Jews, and they, they didn't deny it. They didn't say, you know what, that's not happening. That's fake news. They didn't try to suppress people from saying it. They didn't say, oh, we've got to bury this. We can't, we can't let this out. They didn't argue back and forth like maybe we do on our talk shows that we watch, like Dr. Phil or The View or something like that. They didn't argue back and forth about it. They didn't debate it with them, have this great debate, especially coming from Greeks who like to debate, like they probably wanted a debate. They just said, yep, you're right. Didn't argue it over social media or any of the ways that we do today that we take our problems somewhere else. Because there's problems, aren't there? And instead of denying the problems and acting like it didn't exist, they acknowledged it. There was acknowledgement that said, yes, there is a problem. And then they assessed the problem. And what they did is they called all the believers together and said, okay, let's solve the problem. The apostles acknowledged and assessed this problem. The problem was that people were being overlooked. And the problem needed to be fixed. So maybe what it comes down to is, boils: do we in our lives attack the right problem? Do we attack the right problem? The text doesn't tell us why the Greek widows were overlooked. Could have very well been discrimination. Could have been that maybe they lived on this part of the town and by the time they got there, they ran out of food. Maybe because usually if there are people coming from Greek, from Greece, it could have been that it was mostly widows that were coming. They were fleeing Greece to try to find some refuge or something. And so maybe their numbers were just so overwhelming that they also, again, ran out of food. Text doesn't tell us. We don't know. But we know humans, don't we? Very well probably was all of those excuses and probably many, many more. But again, the problem was people not receiving food. And that's what the apostles addressed. Other problems probably existed. But that wasn't the problem that was brought to the apostles. The apostles addressed the problem that, that needed to be solved, that could be solved. Tackling some of those other problems, sometimes when we try to tackle some of the other problems, they lead us down these rabbit trails that actually take us to more problems and then they are those are unresolved and maybe makes the situation even worse because people are just wanting to argue they're wanting to have that division they're wanting to to solve the wrong problem and we end up pointing fingers at each other and then that real problem just sits there and gets unresolved but maybe if we could acknowledge and assess the real problem and move forward to resolve that problem. We don't deny it. We don't ignore it. We don't argue back and forth, creating more problems. And then we don't become enraged. We don't become bitter. Which then that leads to more problems. Like my situation with the water. When it was 20 below, like I, I was mad. So it made to more problems. So if we resolve the right problem, who knows what would happen? 
Actually, in verse 7, which I didn't read yet, we, we see what happened in this situation. It says in verse 7, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, when I'm speaking this up here, I'm looking through this through a lens of what we're given in the Bible, of what we read up there, trying to come to problems or come to this with a godly worldview. This worldview is much different than the worldly worldview. And what we've seen is, is what we've been seeing all along. This is, this is almost every Sunday, like, this is how each little section ends. It says more and more people are coming to know Jesus. Now, something was added. Did you pick up on this? Did you pick up on that when it says the large number of priests were coming to know Jesus? Now we even see those that were opposed to this Jesus movement. Those that were wanting to you know, get rid of these guys. They were coming to know Jesus. We see the priests coming, Jesus followers. That's kind of exciting stuff. Because we live in a world where right now there's a lot of anti-God people. There's a lot of anti-God, anti-Jesus people around today. This is telling me that you know what? We come at the right problems. That someday they might discover the truth also. And they can find Jesus. And they can become Jesus followers. As I said, if we do our part, and we approach the problems maybe from a different perspective, not a self-preservation perspective, but we acknowledge and assess the, pro- assess the problem as God would. Let's go, yeah, there is a problem. But we look at that problem through the lens of Jesus, not our own lens. Maybe those problems will get resolved. Maybe this division among us would, would, get, would lessen. And then as a result, we too would see people the furthest from God coming to believe. So what are some maybe some tips or some things that we see the disciples demonstrating in this that how can we, we, we solve problems or how can we come at problems maybe a different way? I think one of them is you budget your time strategically. And we'll look at verses 2 and 4 for this. So verse 2 it says, it would not be right, these are the apostles talking here. It says, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. I don't, apostles were not being prideful here. They were not saying, I'm, eh, I'm not waiting on tables, sorry. They knew what God had for them. They knew the role that God, they were in the work that God wanted them to do. And they were devoting all of their work, all of their effort to that work that God had put in front of them. Now, verse 4 tells us what that work was, what they were devoted to. It says, we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Apostles were not above waiting tables. If that is what was asked of them, God said, I want you guys to go wait these days. They would have done it. But maybe the question might become is by looking at some of these things is do we have the right priorities? Are we devoted to the right things? So it's, I, I, I was talking to a classmate and, and she's writing this paper as I'm writing this paper and, and she brought up this question. I said, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Because we're talking about idols. What's the first thing you do in the morning? So 
check Instagram, we check our Facebook, we step check Snapchat, maybe get on TikTok. Anything that we see maybe is a priority instead of looking what 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 is there before me that God wants me to do? Because maybe my neighbor has a husband who works a lot out of town and she has four little toddlers at home and sometimes she needs help. And maybe that's a priority over whatever it is I think I'm doing. There's a whole bunch of things that we can make a priority over helping somebody in need. I want to read a section to you out of Matthew. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. It kind of talks about, about these, these people in need or, or priorities. It says, And the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see the hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Are our priorities such that we don't even see those in need? We don't even see what we just read about. Are we distracted by other things that take up our time and we miss what is important? Now, I don't think this is true, but because my daughter, she really does work. She works lots of jobs. So maybe she just didn't notice this problem until late at night. But I can't help but to think, because I'm a dad, so we got to fix things, right? We gotta, like if she would have strategically planned her day a little better, discovered this water problem sooner, that this whole problem could have been handled much smoother, without as much chaos, without as, all those other problems being multiplied and then just having it kind of spin out of control. Which is when we become distracted, I think, and that problem, we get distracted with someone else and that problem is still there. That problem never gets resolved. And we probably create more problems and then we might actually forget that that problem is even there. Or maybe sometimes we just avoid the problem. And then it just sits there. And then we do fill our lives with other stuff. And sometimes those things that we fill it with, they're good stuff. And sometimes not. Sometimes that stuff we, we, we fill it with, and, and, and it's not good, but the stuff and the problem, the problem is still there. Like I said, we hope it goes away, but it doesn't. And then when it doesn't go, it probably more than likely gets bigger. Now, something that the, in this whole thing, the apostles knew their limits. And they knew this problem needed to be resolved. Rather than ignoring it, they knew it needed to be solved. They didn't overextend themselves. That's a skill I'm learning. Chris is on counsel. She knows. She constantly is like, that's not a good idea and tells me not to do that. So I need that person around me. But we could learn that from this passage also. To know your limits and don't try to do more than you can do. 
And what I mean by this is I think be great, not good. We can be good at a lot of things, but we can only be great at a few things. Now, you guys know I'm a Lakers fan, or most of you do. It was a good day, I thought, when LeBron James came to the Lakers. I thought we were going to win titles. They won one. But lately, if you noticed something about LeBron James, like he is great at playing basketball. Like you, you, can't, you can't not say that. He is a great basketball player. But recent years, what has he done? He's become an actor. He's became a, he speaks out a lot about issues. He's done a lot of things that aren't basketball related. And he's a good basketball player now. He's not great. And the Lakers, they're not even good anymore. Steph Curry, however, who you know how I feel about him, like, I don't like that guy. But for the most part, he's stuck to basketball. He's stuck to what he's good at, he knowing his limits, just being a basketball player. And he's still been great. His team's been great. Knowing his limits and not trying to do more than he can that distracts him from being great. Now, the apostles were, were great at praying for people. We see it. They, there was healings all over the place. They were great at spreading this, the gospel, spreading the message. And knowing that if, you know what, if we take this on too, this problem, and we start waiting on tables, we're going to cut ourselves thin. And I'm gonna go, we're going to go from great to good. So what is God asking you to be great at? Is there a problem in front of you that you could be great at solving, fixing that problem if you devoted your time to that problem? If you devoted the time necessary to solve that problem? It's not a question for me to answer. It's a question for you to answer. It's a question for you to take to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in that decision. Let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. Which there's another thing I think we can pull from this as far as is problems. Next thing I think we can do is, is great leaders in a wide distribution of workload. So we see the apostles. They tell people, they say, like, you know what, go choose leaders. Go choose seven leaders to serve in this distribution of food. And those leaders you're going to pick, make sure they're full of the spirit and wisdom. Go find great leaders leaders then the workload we're going to distribute to all of these leaders to solve the problem and to serve in something that's going to be great we're not going to place it on one person we're going to have a body of people that's going to be chosen and i think one of the things we need to ask is like who are you letting who are you letting lead you who are you looking to when problems come up of course, the answer is, you know, the answer would be is we got to look to Jesus. We got to look to God. Look to the Holy Spirit. Like, I, yes, I agree with that. But we also are a body. We're a body together. We're a community. Now, it's been a while since I've been in high school, but high school's got lots of problems, right? If those of you remember, those of you in high school or just barely out of high school, it's got problems, especially when you're a freshman, right? So, who do you turn to to help you when you're a freshman to solve some of your problems? 
or at least I did, upperclassmen, right? They've been there. When you're trying to fit in, make some friends, accepted in this, just this awkward sea of being a freshman, this new person there. I got to say, that's probably one of the worst ideas in the whole wide world. That's just, trust someone, like think about this, you trust someone that is older than you, who was you once, who went through the same things, who they had all of these things happen to, you, to them, so don't they want to turn around and have, do the same thing to you? Which I mean by, you're like a source of ridicule, they make every joke about you, you're their personal slave. And then what's even worse is all the ungodly things they introduce you to. The drugs, the alcohol, pornography, sex, just there's endless things that, that they bring you along and introduce you to. Just like I said, that was done to them. And the problem keeps, this is that problem again, it keeps going and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger with each class. Leading this freshman to make a lot of bad decisions by placing their trust in that kind of leader. That leads to problems that when the problems came, who had to deal with them? Me. They weren't there to help me deal with them. They were laughing. It wasn't a leader that would help me deal with those problems because they actually created those problems. But what if I placed my, my trust or placed my leader, I found someone that followed Jesus. What if my problem being this zit-filled, kind of awkward, skinny, awkward freshman, I found this great, again, great, not just good, a great biblical leader that loved Jesus and they helped me navigate those problems. Which, here's the problem with that. What if there were those great biblically qualified leaders? What if they're around to help a person like me? Because where are they? We need more of them. And this perhaps brings us back to the previous point of someone Maybe there's people out there, they're missing their priority. They're missing their gifting of serving where they're going to be great at. Great at helping this high schooler navigate through life at this crazy, even junior high, this crazy part of life. And not filling their times up with just a bunch of good things. Or maybe even missing the opportunity at all. Maybe not serving in anything and filling their time with who knows what or maybe we depend on on letting someone else be that leader someone else do it let this distribution of the workload only fall on a on a few people that those ta- those people then they take on too much and it keeps them from being great and they just are stuck in good like i said in this section of acts there's seven people that were chosen and then the work was delegated to them these seven were brought to the apostles and they, were, they prayed over them. Which remember I said, that's what they're great at. That's, what, that's one of the things that this is part of what God wants us to do. They laid hands on them, anointed them for the work that's ahead. This workload of caring for all of these widows was delegated among this group of seven. And then I'm sure they got teams around them because it was a big task. It didn't just fall on one person. Because the work of spreading the gospel that's a big task. The work in the nursery right here at Hope Center, that's a big task. 
To work in the children's ministry, that's a big task. To work in the, with the youth, which there's not really a lot going on, really, just on Sundays, that's a big task. Men and women ministries, which we're starting, that's a big task. There's big tasks all over the church. There's big tasks all over in our lives of following Jesus. So are we doing our part? Are we doing the right part? Maybe you can ask the question, are, are you doing too much? Is the job you're doing, is it just good? Or could you give something up and do a great job? Are you doing nothing? Maybe you should be doing something. So what part of the load is God asking you to do? Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 12. A lot of you guys will know this section. It's about the body. About the body and all the parts of the body. All needing to need all they're all needed. They're all important. And together the body functions properly. The body functions great. When each of those parts that it's designed to do, they do it. Regardless of how we think how significant or insignificant the part is. I want to pick up this section of verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great, greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If you notice, I made a point of underlining and boldly putting no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. It's problems in our lives. Equal concern for each other. Working together as a body. A body to be great. Not something of a division where we look at all the parts of the body where we don't want to work together because one's better than this or one's wanting that. One's wanting glory or another one's just wanting to be left alone. We have the parts working together and we work together to solve the problem, working together to be great. So are we working together as a body? Each part knowing what it's great at. No part thinking, well, I'm superior to, to that part. All parts are equal. All parts are needed in order for the body to be great. And when the body's great, we've already looked at this in verse 7. What we see is when the body's working great, we see this message of the gospel reaching more and more people and more and more people being saved. That even those most God-unfriendly, God-hating, anti-God, God, people, get away from me, people. They're coming to believe. I'm going to leave you with these questions. Are you attacking the right problem? Is the battle you're fighting, is that your battle? Or is that God's battle that he wants you fighting? Make sure we're fighting the right fight. Maybe are you doing too much? Do you need to give something up? 
Do you need to give something up so that you can be great, not just good? A lot of you guys know I used to coach high school basketball. Loved that job. It was one of my best jobs I've ever had. I, 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 I devoted a lot of time to it. But now as I came here, I couldn't be great at that, great at this. All I could be was good. I had to give it up. But then I need to tell you another part of the story. So God, this is how God will still bless you. God knows I still like to coach. So God gave me this little junior high gig of coaching football, helping Bennett. It's only like six or eight weeks long. It fits my schedule perfect. It's just short. So I get my little coaching thing out. I can be great at that. But it doesn't overextend me. Maybe the other question is, do you need to delegate something? Are you holding on to too much? Maybe you need to delegate it. Like we see amongst these seven, distribute the load to someone else. Give something up. And then ask, are you doing your part? Are you helping to be a solution to the problem, or are you being part of the problem? Are you serving as part of the body? Are you serving as God wants you to serve? Or maybe you're trying to serve a part that's really not, it's not where God really wants you. Is that where you're created to be? Like, I will never, ever replace Alex up here as worship leader. I will never be part of this. Despite what my mom said when I was a little kid, I can't sing. That's not the part of the body God wants me at. I know that. I think today, I, I, I feel like I gave you a lot to think about. I gave myself a lot to think about this, this week. Because there's problems. And there is not a shortage of problems. Those problems, they're, they mismount every day. They're not going away. Problems that I think we can use some things in this passage of finding some solutions. So I think let's be part of finding solutions. Finding solutions to the right problem. Not creating more problems. And then we don't even deal with the actual problem. Because there's, there's a big problem out there. Is there's people out there right now, they don't know Jesus. People that don't know the message of the gospel. Problem that people in this world are still needing to hear about Jesus. Now let's not settle for good. Let's be great. And then again, as we're probably going to do this every week in season Acts because this is what we see in Acts when these when we start we're as a church in Acts. And when we're great, we're going to see the number of believers increase daily in our lives. Lord, I just pray for I just pray for everybody here Lord that maybe has some problems that that have some problems that maybe have been fighting the wrong battles. Problems that um, don't seem to be getting any better. Problems that maybe we're just doing too much. Problems that I'm I'm just I'm I'm doing something but it's just not really where I know that's not where I should be. Problems where I'm just I know there's a problem, but I'm just not doing anything about it. So Lord, I just pray that, that right now that you just speak to people. Let, let, I pray that the Spirit just puts it in everybody's heart to know what the right problem is, to know what the right battle is. Lord, to give answers to those problems. Lord, to be part of the solution and not make the problems worse. 
Lord, so I just pray that we recognize those problems and just as the disciples, or as the apostles, just, they go, yep, that's a problem. Acknowledge it. Access the problem. And find a solution to those problems. Maybe there's someone in this room too that right now that you're listening and, and you've got a problem with God. You're one of those people that, that we saw that they heard this message and they saw this and they came to know Jesus. They had a problem with God. But now you're saying that that's, I don't need to have a problem with God. That I want to have this relationship with Jesus. I want to have this, see these same things going on and that we see going on in the life of, of the early church in Acts. That you want to accept this new life that you find in Jesus. That you want to find the solution to that problem. The problem of our eternity. The problem of, of eternal life with the Father or eternal life of living in our lives of sin. So if you want to want to fix that problem and you want to want to turn yourself over to Jesus, turn your life over to Jesus, say, I want to I want that solution. If you want to just raise your hand and maybe look at me, I see you. Just say yes. Yes to Jesus. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for everybody in this room. Lord, just continue to, to let the Spirit guide us and lead us. In your name we pray. Amen.